You're listening to Borderline Idealists. Join us every other Sunday for new episodes where we focus on anxiety, depression, and BPD. Log on to BorderlineIdealist.com for past episodes, blog posts, and our Patreon link to support us. Together, we can give a voice to those who suffer from mental illness and tear down mental health stigma. If you're a longtime listener of the show or someone that cares about mental health outreach, we need your support. Right now, donate $5 and receive $5 free if you're a first-time user of the Cash App. Our handle is Molina Young. Cash App is a preferred method of receiving donations since it lets us keep 100% of what you send us without the outrageous transaction fees. For detailed directions, visit borderlineidealist.com forward slash give and get. Thanks, Chris. We've also started offering one-on-one peer support and DBT training. The first session is free and only $40 a month with up to four sessions per month and open access to us via email. Our consulting service is not just for mental health either. If you're interested in podcasting yourself, we can assist you in getting your podcasts off the ground, finding your niche, podcast management, and mentorship. Interested in being a mental health advocate? We are offering internships like social media marketing for the podcast. For more info on all of these topics we've mentioned, please go to borderlineidealist.com. And thanks once again. Hi, guys. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Borderline Idealist. My name is Chris. And my name is AJ. And on this episode, we will be talking about racist. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, is it racial harmony? Is that what we're talking about, Chris? No. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Racial trauma. Oh, that took a dark turn. Sorry. Ding, uh, ding, ding. <laughs> the trauma. Next episode will be about harmony. <laughs> you know, I, I wish we did have racial harmony and that there weren't uh, racists and that we all treated each other with love and. There were no stereotypes, and we were still friends at the high school. But, you know, the world isn't like that. Mm. Um, So, you know, of course, there are people that judge other people because of the way they look or where they come from. Mm -hmm. And racial trauma is um, a race-based traumatic um, or, (laughs) I'm sorry, racial trauma or race-based traumatic stress refers to the mental or emotional injury caused by encounters with racial bias and ethnic discrimination, racism, and hate crimes. Any individual that has experienced an emotionally painful, sudden, and uncontrollable racist encounter is at risk of suffering from a race-based traumatic stress injury. Hmm. And uh, I have, have you, Chris? Yeah, you got a little racial trauma of you. <laughs> I'm, well, you guys may know this, but I'll, I'll let you, maybe some people have it. I'm uh, black and Chris is uh, Asian, Mexican, <laughs> Latinx. Is it la- Latinx? La- yeah, Latinx, as, as they say now. Um, so, well, we- Mexican descent with. I'm a little, a little mix. Um, Mexican descent, 
with um, Afro roots from my father's side and then native roots from my mother's side. So, of the family. so definitely not white, right? Definitely not white. Okay. Yes. Well, <laughs> you're close to you're close with me. Hi. <laughs> um, I, it depends on the country, actually. You know, the majority and the minority. You know, mm-hmm. I think it would be different in, in a African country. You know. Yeah, there's racism that exists in all the four corners mm-hmm. of the world. Yeah. There's racism in Mexico. And we've, I think we may have discussed it. Um, even within Mexico, there's a, a bad connectivity or connotation or, I mean, it's racism. But <laughs> where people don't um, like or they mistreat or abuse darker skin tones. Yeah, the tan. Yeah. Uh, and you, you've told me and, and shown me, like on the telenovelas and the the TV shows and on the news, on the on the news, the weather girls, you know, are like in like little skimpy, it, it, it's it, like little skimpy yeah, stuff. Yeah, unfortunately, and- Mexico is still very, um, <laughs> has a, uh, what is that word? Um, may- sexist? Yeah, it can, this can be very sexist. Misogynistic? Misogynistic, yes. But and- um, most of those people that I see, if not all, are... Um, Fair skinned, yeah. and I think that you've said that if they do show somebody who has a dark skin, they kind of stereotype them or into the maid. The, yeah, okay, or somebody. the nana. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and that's part of the reason why I stopped watching a lot of Spanish TV. Mm-hmm. Um, was because as I grew, as I grew, and you know, I noticed these things. I did notice that in the telenovelas, most, if not all, the protagonists are white, light skinned. And then it's always the nana, the maid, or these other, you know, sometimes it's, um, or even, for example, this one, uh, Maria del Mar, I think it's Marimar, I think was the name of the telenovela. So so the the protagonist was light-skinned, but her parent, her great, her grandparents were dark-skinned. And they were very poor, and they lived in a, like a hut in the side of the, the ocean, by, you know, the ocean. And... So it's like they, even within that, the protagonist was still light skinned. Oh, she, she was lucky. <laughs> she and her her grandparents were. Um, I, I actually I, I want to say they. Were, I mean I may be getting this wrong. They were maybe they weren't that dark. They weren't like you know super dark, mm-hmm. but they did still have the the that um, classist. Mm-hmm. view where you know they were born and and lived in a hut and then the whole story was of how she became wealthy and and you know she basically paid back the the evil people in the telenovela by you know teaching them a lesson okay look Chris, by we don't turning have, into them we don't have time <laughs> oh yeah this is not about a telenovela oh show Oh, we should do it. Yeah, you can. You can do that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, uh, racial trauma has affected me uh, being a Black American. Mm. Whatever uh, you grew sheltered, you have no exposure to trauma. uh, Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) There, I mean, there are some Black people. not just black people, but other minorities um, that, that will say, oh, I've never experienced racism. Mm-hmm. And uh, that could be true. You know, it could be, it could that be would true. Be, that would be awesome. Yeah. If you live um, like that. Yeah. 
Um, and there are even some that even deny that racism is a thing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and that's all that's often hurtful to, you know, when you see another black male or uh, black politician uh, talk about how systemic racism is not real and, you know, uh, there's no need for things like affirmative action or to look at um, voting rights. Um, that, you know, that was just, that was just 30 years ago, you know, today everything's different. Mm-hmm. It, it's just really hurtful. Um, one, one famous thing that I hear in the news that, that is an indicator, um, in the, the black community of the, the racial trauma that we, we are kind of, a uh, indoctrinated into, you don't even have to experience it quite yet is uh, it, it, it never fails at a certain age you have uh, either your mom, your dad, somebody uh, uh, I was going to a, a Christian church, a black Christian church. So mostly there um, people who are elders, I guess, would always remind you that if you are stopped by a police officer to be nice, to be kind, to be compliant. And um, I was told to Turn on, turn on my the the light inside my car and put my hands on the both, steering wheel. No, both oh. my hands on the ceiling. Okay, uh-huh. steering wheel is okay. So that must be for the Mexicans. Y'all must be a little bit, but we gotta go to the ceiling. Okay, <laughs> you gotta be super sure. They said the ceiling, and then open up your legs. I mean, it's just it, I don't know. It's just mm. everybody has things like that. Yeah, the make sure that they can see your hands. Make sure that they you, you don't reach for anything. Mm-hmm. And it's at the time I didn't really think about it too much. But when it does happen to you and a police pulls over and you kind of have to do those things, you're like, this is kind of weird, you know. And you look over at your white friend, they're like, What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but it's something that you're actually taught because before there were all um all these phones, you know, taking recordings of uh, racist things happening. Um, there were just a lot of experiences that the black community had with police officers shooting before they asked questions. Mm-hmm. So we took it upon ourselves to educate, you know, our young males about that danger. And, you know, that shouldn't have to happen. You know, that, that is, it, it, it's, it's something that I have in common with, Black males that are that are my age, a lot that are my age, and I really hope in the future that's something that you know I don't, I, I wouldn't have to tell my my children or my nephew or something, but you know, right now I probably would, and you know, my uh, our nephew <laughs> is a uh, four, about four, uh, he's four. We have multiple. Oh, okay. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm thinking about. Uh, I yes. guess the, the youngest yeah. is four, so you know, I hope that when. You know, he comes of age to drive and stuff. We can just be like, hey, if a cop comes over, you know, be nice and show him your stuff. And, you know, you shouldn't have to be intimidated and scared and guilty. You know, you're you're guilty until proven innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that's a that's an indicator of, you know, that police violence has always been a problem and it's it's nothing new to us. Uh, have you, well, I know that you have, Chris, do you have a, I, I guess maybe I can ask you, have you ever experienced racial trauma when you were 
in Mexico. Um, and I, you left out at what age? I don't recall that much of my life from Mexico because we left when I was around seven or mm. eight. So I I don't recall that much. Uh, I think in in Mexico, I know we were just poor. Mm. <laughs> so I think it was more of a... But you had the light skin, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm medium tone, I think. Um, Stay out the sun. <laughs> um, but I definitely here in the states. Um, when was the? Do you from? Did you ever have a conversation with? Did your mom ever have a conversation with you about? Um, police. Well, yeah, police or or about you know who you were and how you should. Well, yeah, I think you've told me about this. How to answer certain questions and. Um, Yep, I yeah. do remember police have a, not a very good reputation within the Hispanic community either. Um, it's always they've it's always been a mixed view of police because yes, it's recognized that of course I think with most people you know we understand that police are ideally there to preserve or protect the community, right? Something happens, you can rely on the police to take care of it. Mm. But there's a flip coin. There's a flip to that. There's another side to that coin where you can get abused. And um, it's always, yeah, um, yeah. for me, it was like if a, if you get pulled over, put your hands on the steering wheel, turn on your lights, your end out lights, put your hand on the steering wheel. Don't reach for anything before the police approaches you because they may think you're getting a gun or something. And... Even to this day, I haven't gotten pulled over that many times. <laughs> even to this day, it, there is so much anxiety that as soon as, even if, like, if I see a police light, I get the anxiety, even if they're not pulling me over. Like, if they're passing me or something, um, there is, I can't describe it. It's like a, inside, there's a sensation where you're in danger. Yeah, I, I and, fear for my life. I mean... I can remember we were driving with uh, Jossie, my my youngest brother, somewhere, and mm -hmm. a cop pulled him over. He was going pretty fast, so the cop pulled him over. Um, but I turned on my camera and started recording immediately because you just never know. You know, it's it's really scary. Mm -hmm. It's really scary. I mean, because also, you know, if you don't have a recording of what goes on, then it's just hearsay. And then, you know, I mean, the, the cops should be recording, um, right? They, I, I guess they mm -hmm. should have uh, something, but it's, it, I mean, it, it's just changed the game that there are now people recording these instances, but not just one person, multiple people mm -hmm. from different points of view. And um, yeah, it can be scary because of, um, I think we can talk about, maybe some of the, the causes here um, that we have of racial trauma. Yeah, so we kind of discussed, you know, what mm -hmm. is racial trauma? And it kind of, it can be hard if you're not a person who experienced it, who has experienced it. It can mm -hmm. be hard to understand it. Yeah. Or to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and, and kind of like try to envision that experience. And the, you know, if you're in that situation the the only thing you can do is listen to other people's experiences and then you have to you know reach out to multiple people um because i can uh, you know almost every person of color that i've met have have had experiences with either police 
or some other form of racial um, discrimination within their um, communities or things like that. That uh, um, you know, every person, and even <laughs> and even the white people that I've met, some of my white friends have told me about situations where they've been in a situation with police where they get treated completely different. For example, oh, one, man, one so friend, <laughs> yeah, one friend who got pulled over and they were smoking pot and he still had the, the joint in his hand and the cop didn't say or do anything and they just let him go. I've heard so... It, it's it's mind-blowing how many things you hear like that and you think to yourself, just like the insurrection at the Capitol, if those were a whole bunch of black people, mm. I can't help but think, you know, there's no way a... a there would be tons of bodies <laughs> and then all the white people would be like, well, they shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that they, they got what they reserve, deserve. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, there's... And, and I think the, the racial... Um, fire, I guess, for lack of a better word, is still here, still so burning from how Black people were brought over to the country. Um, and um, it, I mean, it all started with, with slavery. And it really, none of that same uh, sentiment has really changed too much. Um, you know, they still don't like when Black people vote. And this is shown by um, even when there was an amendment to give black people the right to vote, certain states started making it so that there was a poll tax or that there were, um, you'd have, they, they'd make a, I mean, ser seriously, I mean, they would tell you about this in school. They'd have a jar of marbles and the black people would have to guess how many are in there. They would find little ways, and it still goes on to today. And there are still people today that are just not those exact forms. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Forms. But I mean, just where, uh, ways of suppression, and those those kinds of things are are still around. And it's like, as a black person, you're you're constantly trying to convince uh, white America that this still exists. You know, people. Um, and there was no shortage of, of a white person in high school that I didn't hear something bad about affirmative action for, especially during college time. Oh, man. Like, you just mm -hmm. got into that college because of affirmative action, you know? Um, and it's it's sad that we even need affirmative action. Mm -hmm. And that's that's basically, you know, for the um, people not in the States, it's basically something that uh, promotes schools and jobs to hire uh, minorities. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it would be great. We we shouldn't need that. But we have it in response to, you know... Discrimination. Yeah, discrimination. People not wanting to hire uh, people. People well, and not wanting people to go to certain schools. So you have to almost uh, force it or make it an incentive for people. Right. And But if it's, taken, if it's taken away, I feel like the same thing will happen. People haven't... It, it hasn't, hasn't totally evolved over to... Um, I guess the, the the type of harmony that I guess we uh, we want. Yeah, I would. Well, I would like to clarify that in, it, the affirmative action is not just that people it it um, incentivizes people to hire minorities, mm -hmm. but it, I think it's more about just um, making them look at minorities um, to consider them because you know you don't just get you don't just get accepted to a college just because you're black. You still have to earn your right there. You still have to have good grades. 
have to pass yeah. all the exams. So they're just saying, you know, people of minorities have the same skills and qualifications to earn a job or to, you know, to get hired a job or get accepted to school. And so now the schools and businesses have to make an effort to look at them and not just oversee them. Yes. That's, because, that's basically it. And because they probably wouldn't. Right. You know, they, they probably, they, I mean, and, I mean, like Chris is saying, I mean, people are still, uh, when they go to a school or hire is still on merit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even a thing in the United States that if you're disabled, mentally disabled or um, with certain conditions um, and the, uh, your workplace is working with the government, they get an incentive to mm-hmm. hire mm-hmm. disabled people. Mm-hmm. So I think that it is good because people can forget over time how much it took to get here and it can all fall back, you know, to the way that it was. And that's why, you know, it's like two steps forward, one step back, you know, we have to keep reminding people uh, about it, keep working. And it's, it's, I, I'm really happy to see how, um, how open our, our generation mm-hmm. is, you know, to taking responsibility for, for so many, uh, so many causes and. Yeah, I'd say that most of my, and, and I don't know if it's because I'm selective, I, I'm selective mm-hmm. of my friends, but most of my friends of our generation have been more enlightened or more accepting of what what is out there, what the reality is, that there is still racial um, tendencies or that there is still racial um racism mm-hmm. around and that causes racial trauma I mean, towards those individuals so like and who does it affect the most i f- i really feel like when i hear a white person say that racism does exist it makes me kind of feel a certain way or or look at them a different way or or something because it, it just it, it's very hard to explain that to somebody else. I think if you're on the other side of the coin and you're the majority and you've never experienced that, it's very easy to say, well, what are you guys talking about? You guys just, you know, um, you just want free stuff. You just want special stuff. You know, things are, you, it might be easier to, to think that way. So, you know, I've, some of my uh, white friends had even taken uh race racial bias test Mm -hmm. and they um tell you if you have a racial bias which most people do and i mean just for people to be open to questioning yourself i mean that's a big thing right now in america too people close down what sources they're reading and stuff and just keep to what they they want to hear but just to question yourself and say you know maybe i am is just a really big step for anybody you know well, and the other thing too, it's like when you just mentioned um, how you feel when a white or you hear a white person um, correctly say that or acknowledge that there is racism still around. I think what happens is that what I feel is that I feel seen, like mm, I feel like I'm being acknowledged. Mm. My pre- my ethnicities and my whole person is being acknowledged and that when you speak to someone it's kind of like you know it's kind of like um sexual trauma if if somebody has been sexually assaulted and they speak out Mm -hmm. and then and somebody acknowledges them and you know takes them seriously they feel a certain ease Mm. 
think it's similar with uh, racial trauma. When a person of color or any other minority speaks out and says, you know, I'm being discriminated against solely because of my race or Mm -hmm. ethnicity, and somebody acknowledges that they they feel seen, they feel a sense of um um in a in a way also like connection with the other person because you no longer have to even just uh convince them of what you're tr- that what you've experienced you're already there now you get to move forward and say how do we address it and how can we yeah. make it better i mean there there seems to be almost gaslighting you know what there's no racism mm-hmm. there's no and uh if something happens nationally if there's something that happens to um, a, a black person uh, the police have uh, mistreated. You know, if you get on social media um, <laughs> mm. or you can look at a certain news, you can get, you know, that this, you know, this did happen or no, this couldn't have happened because um, that doesn't exist. It's not a thing. Um, man, it's, it's so much easier to say, I've heard people say, yeah, you know, racism does exist, but I don't think it's as big as people think it is. You know, I don't think it's like as, I don't think like schools are going to be racist against you or something. Maybe like that random lady in the store, you know, one out of, you know, 99, Mm -hmm. but you'd be surprised, (laughs) you know, you'd be surprised how, you know, a racist isn't, you know, always somebody that just going around yelling out bigoted things. Mm -hmm. It can be, you know... I mean, being followed around at the store. Yeah. Or, um, (laughs) yeah, just, yeah, being followed around at the store if you're going to get hired uh, for something. I mean, I, (laughs) yeah, I've I've often thought about changing my name on a resume Mm. just because I'm like, I feel like sometimes in certain, in certain places, I have wondered whether having a different name on a resume would get me a, a call in. Yeah. I mean, they're, that is a, a constant thing in many communities, actually, to get a more Americanized name or something that uh, won't really identify you by your race. You know, my name is Ajani. So when they see that, they're probably thinking that I, I guess I would think like African, Arabic, um, something that's not white. Probably. Definitely not American. Yeah. <laughs> white probably one of those middle easterns i don't know but it just you know so i think i am conscious that my name says that about me uh and i would rather be hired by somebody who's you know i I guess would read my resume because of my name you know Mm -hmm. it's man we talk about this so much in america we're a mixing pot we're a melting pot you know we're strongest because we're all different and our our differences, you know, our point of views are so, um, so important and, but we don't always practice what we preach. So, you know, if you don't have it, you know, uh, <laughs> I remember telling uh, Chris, a doctor's office had put in for a medical records clerk or something. And I had done that before. Uh, so I went up there to give them my resume and talk to, um, uh, the, the office manager 
And uh, while I was sitting there, they were showing all the nurses that work there. And all 20 of them were white and, you know, mostly blonde. And then the doctor was white. And then the other doctor was white. And then the office manager was a white lady. And I was just like, okay, maybe that doesn't mean anything. And I um, asked for the office manager and, and I had to wait. And then I gave her my resume. And she, I just, maybe it's the racial trauma I've experienced, but... <laughs> She just, I just felt her looking at me funny and I gave it to her and I walked away and immediately in my mind, I was like, she's going to go in the trash can. There's no way they want a black male to work up here. They are obviously comfortable with, I mean, these doctors must not be married or something. Their, their wives are like, yeah, I'm fine with young, <laughs> young, pretty nurses. They obviously have a type and it's not me, but it would be nice if a place like that that says, oh my God, we only have white females. We need to try to get somebody of color here. You know, that office had nothing but black patients in it that were waiting to, to go. Nothing but black patients. But I didn't see one black person working there. It's just insane. And, but if you are, if you were to just hire somebody of a different ethnicity, a different something, maybe they'd be able to tell you something that you didn't realize, you know, maybe these people don't realize how, um, I don't see how, but perhaps they don't realize how it, it seems or how it may affect the community or other people by just hiring a certain kind of person. I mean, it, it isn't Hooters, you know, it, you're not restricted <laughs> to just, you know. Hey, Hooters does a pretty good job of diversifying <laughs> their work. Those doctors looked happy. All the girls are hugging them like, yes! <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, there is a, a certain type well, here. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> let's talk about what causes this racial trauma. Yeah, we had talked about, um, I think, being exposed to stereotypes and there's uh, fears of personal safety, uh, witnessing members of a person's group receiving abuse, uh, racist abuse of loved ones, others not taking the experience of racism seriously, and then questioning if someone's experience is real or not. So we did kind of discuss a, a few yeah. of those things, you know. Uh, and there's, <laughs> there's so many, um, I mean, I think what happens is that, um, like for me, I've, I tend to like, just put it in the back. You know, I just try to let it go, move on with my life. Cause I don't want to, you know, be, I don't want any of those situations to, um, take away any, anything of, of me. Like they already, I don't want to give it that, that much power. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, situ situation where my family was going to Six Flags, we were going towards the entrance and uh, three white guys yelled at us um, slurs and told us to go back to Mexico or, you know, whatever. And uh, that just hurt me. I, that hurt me so bad and I still carry it with me. Um, but at the time, I was like, you know what, we need to, that shouldn't, we shouldn't let that episode ruin our day because we were out there as a family to have a good time. And, I, you know, I think I did, you know, I, I was able to put it to, in the back of my mind, but every once in a while, I still think of that, or I'll think of um, the situations that I've seen my parents had to handle as being Mexican and raising us in a small town where it's the majority white people. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult because when things like that happen to you, or you suspect something like that is happening to you, you're, 
um, <laughs> you're kind of playing around in your mind, you know, well, I don't want to feel that way about everybody, you know, in that group, but I can't help but to be suspicious until I, I really know the person, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. you just, um, you know, even if you don't know somebody, I, I think, and you're, you're black and you do something, and you look at a white person, you might mind read and think you know what they're, they're saying, you know, mm-hmm. or think you know what they're thinking because of other experiences. So it is, um, it's, it's difficult that when you do have one of those experiences that are valid, that, and, and, and hurtful, that, um, it's very, I think it's easy to apply that to everybody else. I mean, I think that's what racists do, right? Um, everybody, every black person is, is this way. They're no good. They're whatever. It's easy to just do a broad thing and just, you know, but it takes a lot of strength to say, you know what? These people are fucked up. I got to remember next time somebody yells out that to pull out my camera. You get, you got to pull out the phone. I, I have a, I had a, um, Get my phone ready well, so I can just have one button. <laughs> yeah, that's, but, all you, I mean, that's, that's all you can really do. The, yeah, <laughs> and that works for extended, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. extended episodes. Yeah. But when somebody's just as they're walking out and they just well, rel- uh, yell something racist. Yeah, a lot of times people will go and publicly shame people now, like like go and embarrass them and turn on the camera and say, "What'd you say?" Mm-hmm. and then dare them say it again. And so if they don't say it again then they're going to look foolish because they're just being quiet and walking away from you, right? And then if they do say it again, where do you work again? <laughs> they can look like a fool and you can publicly shame them. So that's mm-hmm. how we're able to get back at those people. Now, it did, you don't have to. You know, sometimes you can let stuff r- roll off. It, it is, you don't have to start, you know, something. Uh, and, you know, if that happened to me, um, that kind of stuff has happened to me. I was in... I think I told you about this, Chris. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, there was a haunted house and uh, there were some white guys behind me. And uh, the, the haunted house had like a ghost in a white sheet. Mm-hmm. And of, of course, the white guys were like, oh, this is hosted by the KKK, man. And then they were like, I, I could tell that they were talking about me because I don't think there were any other black people <laughs> around. Even my friend, I think my my friends were white. He's like, oh man, you better look out. So it's about the KKK. And his friends were just like, dude, there's a black guy right there. What the fuck are you? And, and I was just like, uh, okay, I didn't even turn around or anything. I was just, you know, I, I guess I was kind of mad. Um, then I kind of found it kind of stupid and trivial. And I was just like, you know, I just want to go through and get to the haunted house. Um, but the lady, there, um, there was a older lady that was manning the haunted house. She's like, oh, my God, I heard they said, I'm so sorry. You, sir, get out of line. No, she didn't say that. She said, you can go in free, sir. But your friend's got to pay. But you can go in free. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. <laughs> like, we're going to get our money. But, I mean, which is, I think it's an okay way to handle it. Because it was actually for a charity. And, uh I don't know. I, I, I felt kind of weird about it. I felt like that maybe she should have asked them to get out of line. And, you know, if you want to donate some money, do it here. But no, we can't do that. But she actually kind of took me to the side, whispered it to me, and then put me back in line. Like, hey, oh, that's fucked up what they did. I'm sorry. Hey, but you, you get in free. <laughs> you know, just it. it it's like it, 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 it was kind of okay. No, she was... meant well, but what she did didn't actually help yeah, in making any it. 
It didn't help. She any. didn't know that I was getting free or anything. She just, it looked like she just kind of came over and just hugged me, I guess, because I'm a black guy. And he said that, you know, so. It didn't actually <laughs> do anything that was impactful to, to combat that. Because, I mean, yes, you can approach somebody and, you know, and say, I think it's okay to approach someone and check to make sure that they're okay. But at the same time, if you're in a position of power, especially if you're a white person, you are aware of something like that happening you have more power to stand up to the other individual and either push back on them or you know to yeah to push back on what they're doing than a person especially if you're the only sole person of color you know in a in a, a space where there's you know, ninety five percent of them are. are it's south are of Georgia. People. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure the the people in line, the guys in line, probably did have some relatives that were really in the KKK. I mean, the Ku Klux Klan does still exist in South Georgia where mm-hmm. I was growing up, mm-hmm. and that, that's a, a, a white uh, hate group, nationalist white, uh, hate group. So, I mean, could have been, but it's just it's. Um, I think in Atlanta, it would have been handled differently than it was in at where where I was growing up because it was, I don't know, I, I, I just kind of wonder, you know, maybe she was uh, afraid of I think starting I, something. Well, I, I, I think yeah, part of it is that you don't want to start something. And then the other, other, other thing, too, is that you don't want to... Um, Oh, gosh. I thought it was more about, I was thinking, well, maybe it's more about, it's, it's just for charity. So, you know, I wouldn't want him to get out of line if they're getting money for, for charity. That's fine, whatever. You know, <laughs> that's how I thought about it. But. I think it's about not wanting to start conf- conflict. Yeah. Because that's similar to him, for me. When she was, I was a really sweet lady with a, like a quiet voice already. So, that, yeah, I think maybe that's what it was. Yeah, and it is it is hard. I mean, I, I find it really hard to, when I'm in situations like that, to speak up for myself in a certain settings, mm-hmm. especially when I'm in a mi- in the minority, when I'm like, and it's like overwhelming. I mean, usually, mm-hmm. you know, I'm <laughs> a handful of other uh, people of color because part of me was uh, this one situation that I'm thinking of is that, you know, I was like, okay, even if I speak out and I'm in a calm and, you know, in a tender way, speak out, then the other person could raise the situation and intensify it. And then who are the majority of the white people going <laughs> to fall behind? You know, they're, you know, maybe they'll probably just, if somebody decides to, to attack me, I'm, is somebody going to stand up for me? You know, I, I, the possibilities of that are slim, I'm afraid. So, you know, I'd rather. Really? Me, I would attack somebody for you, baby. <laughs> well, that's you, I but complete strangers. I don't know. Like that's the, that's the thing. From mm-hmm. as a person who who I who is aware that we are the other in certain group settings, um, we have to be mindful about you know what we say as well. Because even if we are like super nice and you know, use our decorum and everything, the other individual may still overreact or attack you physically or verbally. I mean, physically or verbally, it's still the same. Mm. And and then, then you catch yourself in a situation where then, okay, well, if you respond, then you're meeting that anger and that stuff and it could, you know, all dissolve or 
the police gets called and you get taken to jail because, oh, you started this, you know, or it's just, it's so much that goes on in, in my head. And I'm sure in a lot of other people's heads as to what to do. And that can be paralyzing sometimes. I mean, some people are, are hot headed. Sometimes you can, you know, say something to the wrong person, you know, Mm -hmm. or approach the wrong person. So yeah, it's just, and, until white people start demanding the equality, tre- the, uh, treating other people equally, it, I don't think we're going to get that much more than where we are today. I think a lot of people are more aware of the situations, but even the people that are aware may not mm-hmm. say something. Yeah. And until we start speaking up about what is and is not acceptable in our society, everyday society, nothing's going to change. And- that's why I, I really do feel like people are getting much better about it. I mean, not everyone cares, but I feel like more people care about the the racial uh, injustice and inequality than than yeah. yesterday. Yes. You know, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think there's a you know just just having Biden in the the White House and, and acknowledging um, systemic racism where the the previous president said that it, it didn't exist. Right. <laughs> and the first step is to acknowledge. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you know, thank you for believing us. Even though you've never experienced thank you, Biden, for believing us. You know? <laughs> okay. Uh, I did want to say that uh racial trauma can be like PTSD, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, certainly. Yeah. And but according to the the DSM uh, some people find it hard to get diagnosed with PTSD uh, once experiencing uh, racial trauma or uh, one of those events. A traumatic event. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why why they're not able to be diagnosed? Because there are certain uh, limitations. So, for example, um, doctors cannot diagnose some people with PTSD uh, un- unless there is extreme exposure or repeated exposure to that traumatic event. Mm. So, and, and apparently that doesn't uh, so it, meet the requirement for PTSD. I, well, I, did it happen? Unless it, you were almost beaten to death yeah, by a white person. It's like, you know, you may, doctor may not think it's that extreme, you know? Well, I was walking around the store and this white lady was following me. Oh, okay, so... Are you sure she was following you? No, I just had a suspicion, you know? So, okay, well, it's not really that serious. But, I mean, most of the time, I think most of the time it actually well, most of that is time, a suspicion. Most of the time it is kind of very um, obvious. Well, it's it can be obvious to you, but sometimes I've oh, been yeah, with white yeah. friends and they're just oblivious to oh, what's yeah. going on, mm-hmm. you know? And, <laughs> and, you know, I've actually been in certain situations where my uh, my friends have said oh did you notice that and i i've noticed that sometimes i do walk around the world with binder blinders on Mm -hmm. because uh, i feel like it's because i i'd rather (laughs) i don't know some some some, it's kind of like i I just want to move along with my life and you know there's i don't want to deal with these people that are trying to you know uh, that are racist or that want to do something. I, I just rather just deal with my life and move forward and then screw them all. You know, I, 
I I don't need them type of mentality. But I feel like in doing that, I also ju- I also become part of that problem where I don't recognize it. You know when it's happening. Well, I <laughs> I've actually thought about um, you know if somebody were to yell a slur at me or something, How you would know you what would I do? Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think I'd go. Um, I think I'd just do something silly, like hi. I was kind of thinking, Chris, you know, if you're going out of Six Flags and someone's yelling very silly, you're like, hola, hola, because it's just like maybe they don't understand us. Maybe they think we're saying hi. It, you know, it's kind of silly. So I think mm-hmm. I think like a unexpected, you know, if someone's called me very short, I love you too, man. You know, <laughs> what do you say to that? So that's how. But you know. It's really easy just to get frozen because you're you're like okay, should I go beat this person down? Um, it can get to the. I've had times where like this is the point where I just want to. I feel like I want to kill somebody. Like I just want to. Oh my god! Because they're gonna get away with it. You know, they're gonna get away with doing this to me. People saw it and kept walking. And oh my god, I can't do anything but attack them now. Right. It's you have to think about what is. What is most important and what can you change and what you can't change? And actually speaking about that, a great way of coping with racial trauma is actually getting involved with uh, racial justice activism. So you can't change everybody, um, but you can attempt to change the world and uh, get your message out there. Well, I think what you mean is that you may not be able to change that specific person that you're dealing with mm-hmm. at that moment. Yeah. But you can... Uh, Have influence on the, influence. On the world and um, and how other people might uh, see it through your eyes. So uh, being an activist, uh, doing some of your own research um, on racial, racial bias and perhaps if, if you demonstrate some racial bias. I think that's for anybody. It, um, it doesn't just have to be a, a white person, just anybody. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. And it's not necessarily, you know, only white people do this type mm-hmm. of thing. Because there is racism, like I said, in yeah. all corners of the world. And there is certain levels of racial biases within everybody, mm-hmm. I feel like. It, the, the problem comes in where the people in power, the people who have most power in our communities have those biases and they don't acknowledge it, then how do you change that? You know, mm-hmm. you you can't change something that you're not in control of. So, so you can, um, I think that's why activism yep. is important. I mean, a lot of the activism that happened uh, last summer still, go, still going on uh, with the black lives matter mm-hmm. has really drastically changed our, our political um, landscape yeah landscape i mean literally so it does have an effect your vote has an effect um what other people hear has an effect uh, just you know somebody who has experienced that for them to know that there are activists out there fighting for it it al- almost makes me want to cry to know that there there are white people there are asian people out there that are that are marching that are protesting that believe that Everyone should be treated the same. And this is something that we can all agree on, Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, I think just just seeing that and knowing that that's out there, you know, you can't change everybody, but you can influence the next generation. And, you know, I think think things are getting better. We're not all the way there, 
but I I really do feel like from when when my parents were growing up, you know, uh, when there are black bathrooms and and white bathrooms, oh, yeah. you had to come behind the um, the restaurant to the back oh, and. Yeah. But, you know, if we forget, it can all happen again. And that's that's something else that, that that's a part of the Black community. We always try to remember that can all happen again. It can all be taken away, right? Mm-hmm. America can be taken away if mm-hmm. we all stop fighting. Well, so. I think, yeah, if one thing I've learned this past four years have been that our society and our um, democratic way of life is... It's like, you know, it's like a garden always needs tending and needs our attention. It needs our attention in the foremost mm-hmm. and it needs the work and tent and the, the hands on like a garden. Because if you are hands off, if you don't vote, if you don't care, um, you know, in a way that's sort of like you're giving up on on the exper- experiment that we have as a country, as a whole society that mm-hmm. we have. And. Um, you know, even if you're like, okay, so someone's like, well, I don't, I don't know what to do. The very least thing you could do is to vote because your vote matters in the way and that it helps select someone who's going to represent all of us. So if you see a candidate, if you're presented with two options of two candidates and one that's a racist bigot and, you know, says things that are offhand and you know, that are wrong. Like, you know, a certain candidate that won a couple of years ago. <laughs> and a lot of people would just dismissed it. You know, they're like, oh, well, you know, he's just he's just saying that, but it doesn't really mean it. Or, oh, you know, he's just talking off the cuff or I, I think, so many excuses. I think having a, a president like that for the last four years was actually important for America because, yeah. you know, a, a lot of people didn't vote. You know, a Donald Trump election, that's really how he won. He didn't win the popular vote. He didn't get the most votes, um, but not enough people voted in certain areas. Mm-hmm. This four years, people took it so seriously that they took it so seriously that Donald Trump thinks they stole the election. That's how good the, <laughs> the other side did. Like people, oh, Joe Biden got some votes. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that it's just that good because people were that motivated because it reminded us. Even people on the other side, you know, that maybe agreed with Trump. I'm sure that they were motivated also. Just yeah. just more of us were motivated, you know, or just more of us. But, um, yeah, we saw what happens when you don't vote, when you don't care, when you don't, um, you, you, you say, oh, well, you know, I tried to vote, but my voice doesn't matter. It, it does. You just, you have to keep when, going at it. When people say character doesn't matter mm-hmm. or... You, it's just so much. Anyways, <laughs> what are some of the what's some of the other ways of coping? Oh yeah, I wanted to say that it says to gain. Uh, is it gain on a li- <laughs> go go on a, it, uh, go on a limited media? Oh, diet. go on. Okay, Chris, I can I can read so, it. Go on a limited media diet to avoid exposure to racial abuse. Which is, you know, going on a limited media diet is good for everything. Uh, just just self care yes. as it as it is because you're just gonna come into contact uh, with that stuff. And you know, the news and people like say that the the news loves to play this stuff, but it's also that the public wants to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, 
So well, it's important. Mm-hmm. It's important to recognize it, and so it, mm-hmm. for the news from the news perspective, it is good that they sh- show it and you know, they talk about it because it's important for everybody to be know mm-hmm. and be aware. But it specifically, if you are someone who has dealt with racial trauma, especially more recent, mm-hmm. then it, it is important to you know, as I said, go on a limited media diet of about those topics mm-hmm. because until you're able to process what you've gone through. It can re-traumatize you. You know, if you have had a traumatizing experience with police officers, going online and seeing other horrendous uh, experiences of other people mm-hmm. is not going to help you get any better or get past that moment that you've experienced. Mm-hmm. Well, so you just got to be mindful of. Well, I want to talk about uh, Chris's last way of coping mm-hmm. uh, with racial trauma, and that would be to become a part of the borderline idealists. DBT study group. That's right. A vast array of people from different backgrounds. Join us. (laughs) BPD. Well, that's kind of going with the, uh, well, DBT. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it is good being around other people and hearing support experiences. Yes. It's kind of, yes. Yeah, support group. group. But I I do want to just plug our our skills group. It's borelineidealist.com slash skills. Um, we don't necessarily deal with trauma, no. <laughs> racial trauma. No, we don't. But we just study, um, we review DBT skills, uh, kind of talk about our lives, um, have fun. It's just a... It is a support group. Yeah, it's a support group, a little community, and we meet every other Sunday. So if you guys are interested, you know, fill out the little survey on uh, borelineidealist.com slash skills. And uh, I think that brings us to the end of our racial trauma. Well, I mean, it's not the end of my racial trauma. It continues. <laughs> but uh, I guess it's the end of the episode. Yeah, it's... Uh, what have we learned? Well, I... Don't hold... <laughs> don't hold on to a, into a traumatic event. I mean, it was... I mean, that's kind of... <laughs> yeah, okay. Easy. You don't want to let that dictate your life. <laughs> yeah, I think but... that's, that's better to say that don't... Don't let, you know, one experience um, dictate how you see everybody there. And, you know, there's there's hope for other people, right? There's hope for other people that maybe have said stuff to you or um, have uh, done certain things to you. A lot of times it's from childhood, it's from who you surround yourself with. Um, sometimes, I, you know kind of feel kind of bad for these people you know that's that's a lot of hate i don't think that i hate anybody i try not to hate anybody you know oh i try i really try not to hate anybody um (laughs) because i don't i don't want to get that uh, that far into it you know i want to give people a a, maybe a a little bit of a redeeming quality that perhaps um you know if if they, if something happens to them, you know, it, uh, it actually kind of reminds me of when somebody is anti-gay and then their child turns out to be gay and then they're like, you know what? I'm starting to get it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, or, you know, you're like, I hate transgenders. And your kid says, oh, I'm transgender. You're like, oh, I hate you. It's like, oh, but I love you. You're my kid. Okay. But you know what? Now I'm understanding. You know, when things like that happen to you, um, it kind of opens you up a little bit more. So sometimes when you're in a community that maybe 
is telling you the same thing or that things are always the same. That's not so great. You got to get out of that community. We all should get out of the, the communities that we're accustomed to and go to different places, learn about different people and how they see the world. Mm-hmm. It's important. Yeah. Let's travel the world, Chris. <laughs> After COVID lockdown. Uh, we can go to Mars. There's no COVID there. Yeah, because we'll carry it. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny, Mars. Anyways, All right. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us it's, um, for this episode. Interesting uh, topic. Thank you for selecting it. Yes, and I... You know, I, I, I'm sure nobody listening to this is racist, but if you are, Seek reconsider, <laughs> reconsider, I, I'm not so bad. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just like you. My skin is just dark, you know, <laughs> we're all the same inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, except for, you know, I guess people that are like, you know, missing a lung or, or a kidney or something. But I mean, you know, we're all, you know what I'm saying? We're all pretty much the same yet different but the same right so what you're trying to say is we have a lot more similarities than we have differences we're all the human race (laughs) all right guys we will see you guys next next sunday bye bye bye